we're at a time in our world where the impact of our actions on the planet can no longer be ignored. That impact is affecting us emotionally too as we experience eco-anxiety about the future of our world. Today's guest is passionate about deep nature connection, healing ourselves through reconnecting with the planet, and a spirituality that includes serving the greater good and returning to living in balance with all of life. She's an ecotherapist, an author, a psychotherapist, yoga and meditation teacher, and interfaith minister. I'm so excited and honored to welcome Connie Habish, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. You're listening to the Half Hippie Podcast with Tara Milo. I'm a half hippie, half princess, cat mom, city girl, introvert, and entrepreneur. I don't fit into a box, and you don't either, but I'm committed to making the world a better place through my lifestyle and my business. I love talking about sustainability because I know that you can make a positive difference without giving up the things you love. Here on the Half Hippie Podcast, we're talking about sustainability and entrepreneurship. We'll share stories about what makes us all half hippie and what our other half does to make a positive impact in the world. Let's go. Where do you live? I'm in Menlo Park, California. I'm kind of halfway between San Francisco and San Jose, right by Stanford University, like 15 minutes away. Yeah. Nice. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Uh, And what do you think about, you're kind of in the hippie area, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty hippie here. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like way hippier than even most, so. Yes. Yes. What what do you think of when you think of the word hippie? Like, how does that resonate Um, for you? I mean, it's not a label I ever thought of applying to myself, but I certainly qualify. You know, I mean, someone who's we would call it more granola, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, someone who's like wants to live naturally and might dress a little more bohemian and um, likes yoga and meditation, which of course I do and I teach. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, wants to live off the land and be out in nature and live more simply and all of that kind of stuff. So yes. I definitely qualify, but I'm not like 100% like you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not a hundred percent either. Cause I'm not like the camping hiking girl. I'm a little mm-hmm. bit of a princess, but I still care about the environment. So it's totally half hippie, which I think is fun. <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I had to cultivate the camping hiking thing. I mean, yeah. I've always loved nature, but honestly I was, and still like feel a little afraid out in nature, a little bit oh. uncomfortable. Um, and so I, uh, years ago, when I was, it was how many years ago has it been? Seven years, maybe. Um, I decided I, wa- I didn't want my daughter to grow up feeling like that. I wanted yeah. her to grow up feeling that she's really connected to nature and really at home in nature and has a deep and abiding relationship with it. So um, I signed her and I up for a couple deep nature connection experiences. One was called the art of mentoring, um, which is a whole family, like whole all ages community, really amazing thing that actually hasn't been happening here in California the last few years, but it happens in other parts of the nation and the world. Um, And the other one was um, called Gaia Girls. And um, it was for young girls and women, you know, to connect to nature and community and really learn how to live as a steward of the planet and how to develop into an empowered woman. Um, So she's really grown up much more nature connected than me. Um, But I've, but I've really worked on that ever since then. I do these things with her every summer. This last summer we went to a place called Headwaters Outdoor School and, um, you know, talk about taking cold showers. I mean, every day would be dunking in the creek. No, <laughs> um, and she she did it every day, and I like <laughs> my I guess you would call it my princess self. Like the first day, it was like my feet in. Okay, that's yeah. really cold. That's enough. But <laughs> I did. I mean, I worked my way up to um, the day where I dumped myself, and then I got right out. Yeah. And then this one day, I decided I'm just going to get over this thing. So 
and I'm going to do it in my way. Like people are like, oh, you need to just jump in and everything. I'm like, uh-uh, yeah. that's not me. Yeah. So I decide I'm just going to take my time. And I waded in really slowly. I would go in like an, another inch and let my body get used to it. And I discovered amazingly that my body got adjusted to the cold water. Nice. So I'm, I'm, I get in up to my waist and I'm like, you know, it's not that bad. I've been in here probably for like 20 minutes getting used to it. Yeah. So then I just kind of sunk myself the rest of the way in and hung out for like, a, oh. there was another um, mom that was there with me. Yeah. And we just kind of hung out there and stayed in the cold water and, and it was empowering. It was very, very yes. empowering and transformative. And not only that, here's, here's your real nature-y thing. A snake joined us. Oh, okay. (laughs) A snake came into the water, (laughs) into the water by us. So we're in this kind of pool area of the creek. And we just sat, we just stayed and and watched, witnessed the beauty of the snake gliding along the bottom. And then it came up to these rocks on the side and it stayed for a while on top of the rocks, just a few feet from us. And then it went down the stream some more. And we just watched it the whole time until it went off into the forest. And it was very magical. And that's yeah. what I love about being out in nature and, and learning to overcome that fear and really see ourselves as part of the planet and one with yeah. these other beings is magical. Yeah, that is really beautiful. I like I like it that snakes exist, but I don't think I would be happy to be in the water with one. <laughs> Well, it was not a poisonous snake. I mean, I think if I was okay. in an area where there's like copperheads or sure. whatever, coral snakes, I'd be like, uh-uh, but there's no, I mean, rattlesnakes are going to go in the water. So I knew it was not, it was not a rattlesnake. Yeah. It was clearly like maybe some sort of garter snake or something. So. Yeah. Um, and he's not going to bother you if you don't bother no, him. So, exactly. Yeah. He don't want to bother us. No. And it was a real honor actually to like be there with the snake and it feels safe with us. Right. And us feel safe with it. Oh, I love that. I actually came to some kind of peace with the cold showers thing. A couple of, uh, maybe two months ago, I got my hair cut and Mm -hmm. the guy rinsed it with cold water and it felt so good. It was really refreshing. And so sometimes when I take a shower now, I turn it on cold and I rinse my hair and I just keep saying to myself, this feels good. I'm just telling myself it feels good because it really does feel refreshing and it feels really good. And I don't know, invigorating. I'm not ready to put my whole body in cold water for a shower, but the hair, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And I did have one really magical experience going swimming in the ocean. It's very cold here. And sometimes you just, like you said, you kind of just experience the cold. You don't suffer Mm -hmm. the cold. You just kind of, I don't know, you acclimate and it feels good. So I'm getting there, but I'm still happy with my warm showers. <laughs> well, I, I, I relate to that too. My daughter, ever since that trip has taken cold showers every morning and I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I do, I turn off the water when I'm shampooing Yeah, and it's harder during the colder time of year. And mm-hmm. what you said about you telling yourself that, you know, oh, I'm, this is refreshing and I enjoy that. This feels good. Yeah. Is, is the complete game. It's all a mental game, right? It's all the story that we're telling ourselves and this applies to everything in life. So what I did, what I noticed is that when I'm telling myself the story of, oh, it's so cold and I don't want to turn it off and, oh, I don't want to, I can't stand it. I've got to turn it back on. Of course, I suffer more and then (laughs) I want to turn the hot water back on right away. But when I tell myself, you know, this is not that big of a deal. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. This is temporary. And again, this is a great thing to do when you're going through a challenging time in your life. It's temporary. I can handle this for a couple of minutes while I shampoo. Yeah. It's really just fine. And I keep, you know, telling myself that or trying to quiet my mind altogether. But usually mine's not quiet. So I'm trying to tell myself that. Then it's really not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It really isn't. It it's funny how powerful these words are. Just simple words like this feels good. Just 
It does. End of story. <laughs> well, our thoughts and our words yeah. affect our, you know, you know, the, the common um, new agey thought of you create your reality. Yes. Um, it's not really accurate. It's really, you're creating your perception of your reality. Right. And you're doing that with how you think. Yeah. And not just what you think and how you think, but if you're believing the thoughts that you have, because exactly. we don't have to believe our thoughts. Yes. That's one of my very favorite sayings is don't believe everything you think. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man. You know, it's cool that you're taking your daughter out and, and, immersing her in that and giving her that experience in nature. I grew up in nature. I grew up in Utah. We were always Mm. in the mountains. We were camping and just really active outside. And I don't know, at some point I was like, not for me. I don't need to go camping. (laughs) I don't know why, Mm. but I grew up with it. So I'm glad that I had that experience. Maybe when I was a little more tolerant of it, but yeah, I was always not always camping, but like I would go away to camp and we would stay in cabins and camping outside in tents and all of that stuff. And at some point I'm like, mm, nah, I'd rather be warm and comfortable and take a shower in the morning and have my clean feet. And <laughs> Glamping is nice. Glamping is fun. Have you done glamping? <laughs> no, but I should, because I think that's the way to go. For I haven't actually <laughs> like been in a, in a glamping tent, you know, where they have it all decked out with a really nice, you know, down comforter and beautiful, yeah. comfy, cozy things in a comfy bed and all that. But I've, I've been, most of my camping experiences actually have been when someone has been cooking for us. Oh, mm-hmm. So I consider that sort of glamping, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm still roughing it in a tent or in, um, in a teepee. We were at, at oh. this, um, outdoor school in Mount Shasta, which is one of my favorite places in the whole world. Um, and uh, that works really well for me. So my my next hurdle probably to overcome is cooking for myself, uh-huh. camping, which I'm not I'm not I'm not like a great cook. So cooking okay. for myself at home is already hard enough. It just seems overwhelming to think about packing <laughs> all of that stuff, and then what am I going to cook out there? And then how do you store it? And how do you keep the bears away from it? And on and on. Oh and on. my so. gosh. <laughs> Oh, bears. That would be really fun to see a bear. That's, that's my crazy thing. I, I want to see the bears. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I love, I would love to see that. I would love to see bears oh. and I've seen coyotes. I've seen a fox. I've seen <gasps> rattlesnakes. We've had actually a couple fairly close encounters with rattlesnakes. Good, good news, bad news. Right. Um, it's, it's really empowering. It's really beautiful, but you know, it is a little does make you yeah. a little nervous. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful when it's over, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And you knew that you, you, okay. It was, it was safe, right? Yes, exactly. Oh, that's so cool. Um, well, tell us about your work because we've been working together a little bit on some of your marketing projects and I love your work and I think it's so necessary for all of us right now. So just tell us a little bit about that. Well, I am a psychotherapist and a yoga and meditation teacher and um, an author and an interfaith minister and also an ecotherapist. And I sort of yes. weave all of that together. And, and ecotherapy has really been a, um, becoming a bigger and bigger part of what I do because I think we're at a point on the planet that we can't ignore the planet anymore that we actually live on and depend mm-hmm. upon. Um, and that... I was just telling some people in a community the other day that connecting people to nature and creating this abiding love and and reverence um, and relationship with, with nature is really important because as most of us know, the people in our lives that we care the most about are the people we're most connected to. I mean, of course, we do care about you know, the, the refugees from Afghanistan, and we care about people who have COVID and we care about all that, but we care the most deeply, the people that we're close to, the people that we have a real connection to. So for people to care about the planet to the degree that they, we all really need to right now in order to take action, we need to cultivate enough of a relationship to have that connection. Yeah. Connection. So that's a big part of my work is, um, assisting people in creating this 
um, beautiful reciprocal relationship with nature, not just, uh, unfortunately, as humans, we're, we're sort of takers, right. sadly. We take a lot from the planet. We don't give a lot back. Um, and a lot of times we don't really stop to appreciate and have gratitude and then offer something that might be helpful to the planet. And so I'm, I'm working with a lot of people and creating that sense of connection, maybe overcoming fear about being in nature. Nature as a, an amazing sacred guide in our lives. There's every day that I go out there, there's something that speaks to me in some way, a tree, uh, a bird, a butterfly, uh, the mushrooms growing in the grass right now. Um, these all can reveal things to us if we're open to hearing the messages. And then also helping people with what I think is really on the rise right now, eco grief and eco anxiety. You know, but there's a lot of worry and fear about what's happening and sorrow about, I mean, just recently there's been this big oil spill in Southern California yeah, um, yeah. that's deeply impacted the environment there and people that I know that live down there. Um, these things are happening all over. And yeah. so we need a safe and sacred place to be able to work through those emotions and honor them and feel them, but not in a way that they consume us, but in a way that helps us move through to a place where we can take some empowered action to help the planet and ourselves. Yeah. I want to get back to that, but you said something really interesting about how we are takers. Humans are takers and we don't really give back much to the planet. And even thinking about my own self and my goals, I'm just trying to reduce how much I take. I'm not even that hasn't even been on my radar to be giving back. So how do you give back to the planet? How can we do that? Well, I think there's a number of ways. And it, it first starts from our heart. Mm, okay. Giving back that love, that reverence, that appreciation. I have a little ritual every morning that I go out and um, make a little offering to spirit and to the planet and express my gratitude for all the things that I see and gratitude for the rains that will be coming and asking for the rains to come soon because it's we have a drought, a serious drought here. Yeah. Um, and just taking some time to be out there and appreciate what's just right here in my yard. And I, I admit that I am privileged. I have a little yard. Mm -hmm. um, not everyone does. I mean, some people don't even... They don't, don't even see like the horizon in their day. They're in a city that all they see is maybe they'll see the sky or the clouds up above the buildings. Um, and yet nature is still there. It's it's there beneath the cement that we're walking or driving or riding in a bus on is yeah. there in the air that we breathe. It is there in the water that we drink and the food that we eat. Um, it is all around us. And so cultivating that sense of love and appreciation and gratitude for everything mm -hmm. that we have. And then, you know, for me, I think you were talking about that, Tara, about, you know, realizing how much I've taken, mm -hmm. um, realizing it's, it's very humbling, recognizing our habit, my habit, but I, all of us in the Western world, I think have been ingrained and just kind of taking for granted the planet that we live on yeah. and, and taking stuff without realizing what's the impact of purchasing that, of um, owning more of that, of having probably more than what I need. And so I'm always reevaluating that. Like, do I need more books? Do I need more clothes? You know, so mm -hmm. you know the the hippie part of me likes to buy secondhand. I love that. And my daughters recently got into thrifting and yeah. I love there's um, some websites where I can buy some secondhand clothes, um, but I get good quality. But I, the other day I made an order and I, I bought more shirts than I needed. I didn't right. really need as many shirts secondhand. I feel good about that. So I, I, you know, at everything I'm, I'm reevaluating and looking at, do I really need this? And is there Another way, is there something that I have already that I can use? Um, I belong to a local buy nothing group where we share with each other um, and people are gifting things that they don't need and I'm offering things I don't need. Yeah. Um, so just looking at how I can give back and then um, 
taking that into some sort of action, and it may be small actions, because I know, and I think we've talked about this, that I get overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with everything that I should change. There's that word that always (laughs) shames us and makes us feel like crap. And then when we do that, we don't do anything. We just kind of give up because we feel so lousy, right? So so then I need to let go of the should. Yeah. Well, well, I want to take action. Right. I want to change. Yeah. And what what can I do that's not going to feel like too big of a reach today that's, Mm. you know, within my grasp to, okay, I can grab those plastic bags I already have to take with me to the farmer's market or the grocery store rather than using more. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Those little things make such a big difference. I, yeah, there are a lot of little things. Like I put water on my terrace for the bees. Me too, the bees and the birds. (laughs) Because we don't get a lot of rain. And then like, sometimes I slack off of it. And then I think, somebody probably made a habit of coming to my little water bowl. So I need to do this every day. So I guess there are little things that we can do to give back to the planet. And maybe it's not hugging a tree every day, although I do love hugging trees. And I think that's magical. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) But little things like feeding the birds and water and stuff like that. So, okay. That that makes me Were you at my house yesterday when I was looking out there going, oh my gosh, my little... My little watering bowl is dry <laughs> and I feel so bad for the birds that came and were disappointed. <laughs> yeah. And I even, I'm, I'm kind of like a next level lunatic about this stuff, but I put a little stone in there so that they can walk down the stone and drink from the water because I just put the water bowl out there and the next day there was a dead bug in there. And I was like, well, that's not what I want. I want him to be able to walk down and drink the water. So I put a stone in there that's a little rough and he can walk down. And so, yeah. I just found out about that a a couple months ago and I added a stone for the bees there so that they don't drown themselves. So So funny. All right. Do you know something nice for nature? And then you're like, oh, I just blew it. You know? All right. So if you're feeling guilty, just put a bowl of water with a stone in it to do that every day and you'll feel a little bit better, right? (laughs) Yeah. And then these little things will build on themselves. It's just like any habit, right? You start out small and then you try and then you can add in more things. So as I got used to putting out water for the birds and the bees, you know, then I get more used to remembering to take those plastic bags with me and eventually um, using reusable, washable plastic bags rather than the throwaway kind and eventually more like canvas bags or what, you know, like things can build upon each other, um, filling up. So what I do since we have drought, I was just talking with my daughter about this this morning. She takes short cold showers. Mm-hmm. I want her to fill up the bucket because she turns it on first and then gets in a couple minutes later. Oh, um, yeah. So what I do is I, because I take hot showers, I fill up a bucket yep. with the hot water until it gets hot enough. And then yep. I get in and I turn off when I'm shampooing. So those things have, have become habit now. And once yeah. they become habit, now I can think about, okay, what's the next thing that I can do right. that can be helpful to the planet and just add on little things at a time rather than our minds tend to, and this is how we create anxiety for ourselves, right? We think about everything, you know, mm-hmm. all the things that are wrong, all the things I need to do, all the things I need to change. You know, if you look at your entire list. Here's my list of to do's, right? The entire yeah. thing and go, oh my God, rather than, okay, one thing yeah, right now, right. build on it. When it becomes habit, you can add more. Exactly. That's such a better way to do it. And we can avoid, there's so many of these eco things, eco anxiety now, eco grief, Mm -hmm. guilt. I have the guilt thing. Like once I learn about something, I was actually talking to a a guest about this. Like once I know something, I can't unknow it and I can't possibly participate in that industry anymore. And then my life gets a little bit more challenging. Like maybe I need new underwear, but I can't just buy underwear that are made in China. They need to be fair trade organic cotton. And (laughs) where do I buy these underwear? And I don't know. It just, it becomes a whole thing. So maybe you have some counsel for us on things like this. Um, 
we have to live. But yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. we do have to be mindful. Like time is ticking. We do have to be mindful of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's that that balance, right? Um, you, you mentioned guilt, and I know that you know, for example, a lot of us as Caucasian white people feel guilt about systemic racism. Yeah. And and while it's true that I've participated in all of that, um, we were raised in that culture and we had to make the effort to become conscious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can actually do something about it. There's no point in guilting yourself and attacking yourself for something you just were not conscious of until you were conscious of it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so we've all been raised in this culture of, of taking um, f- and taking for granted. Um, yeah. And so we're having to wake up from that. Um, I was going to say dream. It's more like a nightmare, but, you know, wake up from that way of living and realize, OK, there is another way of living and to not, you know, attack ourselves with guilt about, oh, I, you know, I've been doing this all my life and it's so terrible and awful. Well, you know, no one was teaching this to us when we were five years old, right? unfortunately. Um, so now we need to learn, you know, and I'm, you know, in my 50s, it's, it's a little harder to break, to change habits at this age, right? The older you get, the, the harder it is to change habits. Although maybe that's just a thought and I don't have to believe that thought. Right. Maybe it can be easier than I think. Um, but to be kind to ourselves and compassionate toward ourselves as we take steps forward, um, rather than falling into the guilt and then feeling horrible and then um, just kind of giving up and then sort of not staying the same. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's another way to change and it's a more compassionate way um, and a more empowering way to okay, I'm going to create from here forward, slowly but surely, a new way of living. Yeah, exactly. And I love it that you you facilitate this stuff in groups because mm-hmm. we're all struggling. And, you know, a lot of us want personal attention. I talk a lot about personal attention when I talk about marketing, but I think the power of the group, especially around things like sustainability and our, our guilt about social justice and our eco-anxiety, coming together as a group and talking about that makes us feel a lot better. What have you witnessed in the groups that you're holding? Yeah, it creates a real sense of belonging and support. Like, oh, there's other people that are experiencing this like me. There's other people that feel this way. There's, I'm not uh, the only person that's gone through this in my life. Um, And to have a safe place to share, not just with like a therapist, right? Um, A safe place to share with others who are witness to what you're feeling and what what you desire, what you long for, what you intend in your life. And if, you know, a group is um, facilitated well, you have that sense of community, but you also foster um, individual connections. You give them time and support them in connecting up with each other in small groups, like online, of course, you can do little breakout rooms and things like that. Um, support people who live near each other to continue the connection. Um, so con- supporting the larger group and then smaller groups and encouraging um, when you feel really safe and connected and open in the group, friendships start to naturally unfold. People start wanting to reach out to each other and connect one-on-one or in smaller groups. And that's, I think, the power that you don't get from a one-on-one experience of being together. And then having a community, a group experience out in nature together is transformative and, or, or even online, some experience, some transformer experience online together. Um, you have that shared memory now that yeah. you go back to and it bonds you and connects you like, Oh, remember when we were all like um, looking at the, the glistening, dew drops on that spider web and the light shone and it made this like little kind of glistening rainbow thing around it. And we were all amazed and in awe um, that connects yeah. people as having those experiences. Yeah, that's so true. And I think we can shake off some of the judgment that we have about ourselves 
because we would never judge each other. Like you would never say, oh, Tara, of course you should have put a rock in your bowl. That's so stupid that you didn't think to do that. You would never come at me with that judgment. So the group kind of teaches each other and supports each other in a way that I think is really fun. And I have like a memory of similar to the grass and the the dew glistening on the, mm-hmm. the spider web thing. Mm-hmm. One time I was at the zoo and there was a turtle who was trying to eat a watermelon and it was so hard. And all of us, there were like 10 or 15 people around and we were all just rooting for him so hard to like, oh, buddy, you almost got it. And then he finally, you know, took a bite of it and we were all cheering. Like that's a fun connection that we all kind of shared with each other in that moment out in nature. And it was just such a, an experience that I think will stay with me just the way we were all rooting for somebody to take a bite out of a watermelon. It was really fun. I love how you described that. I was right there with you. And and that's (laughs) exactly a a beautiful example. Imagine that if all of those people that were there with you witnessing that and experienced that joy of celebration for the turtle had an ongoing community together and and deepen more and more as you had those experiences that you witnessed together and shared. Yeah, exactly. I love it that you're holding these groups because that's what you're creating for people. And we need that right now. Oh, man, I have a lot of eco anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, tell me, what is what is foremost on your mind right now? Well, as I've mentioned several times on the podcast, I'm not very optimistic Mm. about the future. I just see a lot of destruction because we have two problems. We have waste and we have CO2 and like the global warming, but waste is such a huge problem that I don't see people really being conscious of, especially recently with COVID, everybody's got the disposable masks and I see five of them on the, on the ground on the street every day. Absolutely. Yep. And that kind of thing like I felt like we were starting to make some progress and we, we did, we, we got to witness, you know, pollution levels falling in big cities. And mm-hmm. I've been seeing some articles online recently about, you know, maybe countries will have no fly days where we're just not having flights and some cities are kind of closing the city center to cars and using bikes instead. And that stuff is all good and important, but we're still wasting so much plastic and we don't really think about where it goes later. So I have a lot of anxiety about that because I know that it goes to countries and we never have to see it again, but somebody else is dealing with our trash and I struggle with that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, it was really sobering to learn. Um, my daughter, actually, she studies sustainability in her high school, actually. And um, learning that the vast majority of our quote unquote recycle, mm-hmm. recyclable plastic is not getting recycled. It's mm-hmm. just getting sent somewhere and dumped, usually in Asia. Yep. Um, and it's really heartbreaking and sad. And so it, it has me constantly reevaluating what, what I'm buying and how it's packaged because, um, even, you know, the little recycle symbol, even if it's a one or two, which I think are the ones that are the most recyclable, um, doesn't mean that it's going to get recycled. And besides like why that's, that's a harder process than recycling glass or recycling paper, or at least paper. Although yes, we're cutting trees down for that. And that's another thing I'm really passionate about is trees. You can plant more trees. You can have tree farms for that kind of thing. Um, and I have a lot of the the same kinds of concerns and worries about the future, Tara. But I remember um, one of the people that I studied with for Deep Nature Connection, John Young, um, he said something like, you know, we may not make it, we may not survive as a species. The planet's probably going to go you know, it's probably going to go on without us. Yeah. Um, I'm almost certain that it will actually. But why Why would I want to give up even if that were true? Why would I not want every day to make every day matter and to have deep gratitude 
and and reverence and appreciation for this life and for what I can do in this moment for this planet, even if it doesn't matter in the end, mm-hmm. I I get to, you know, end my life whenever it might end, knowing that I lived every every day that I could, um, giving back and mm-hmm. doing something that mattered and expressing my love for this amazing world that we live on. Yeah. That's a good way to think of it. I mean, I'm doing my best, but when I see all of that, I feel powerless. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's why that empowered action that you talked about feels good for me, feels positive. Yeah. Finding some way that we can feel empowered because, you know, when I think about, um, you know, what might be happening on the other side of the planet, I, I do feel really powerless. Mm-hmm. Um, or with like coal mines or something like that, I feel powerless to, to, to change that. I mean, there are things that I can do, like write to senators and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to be aware of those things and recognize what can I do and then refocus to what what is an area that maybe I can make the most impact around? So like I tried to help with trees here in our neighborhood and try to conserve the um, heritage oaks that we have here and other trees and try and encourage people not to cut them down and to plant new trees where we don't have enough trees. Yeah. Um, that's something that I can do and educating people about the, the amazing benefits of trees and how it reduces um, you know, the temperatures in a city, the more trees you have, the, yep. the lower the temperatures are in the summer. It's one of my favorite sounds at night. I can hear the, the leaves rustling in the trees outside, even though I can hear cars and city noise, I can like focus in on the sound of the leaves on the trees and it, it's very peaceful. Mm. So yes, I will reflect on that tonight as I'm sleeping, all the different benefits that trees bring us. <laughs> I love um, how you said you focus in on it. And that goes back to our conversation about what we think and what we believe and where we choose to focus our attention. So if we're focused on, you know, the the car noise, you're going to be like not very happy probably. Yes. Right? And, and, if we're, and if we're always focused on the problems, that's also another issue because that's going to get us down very easily. So I think it's important that we stay aware and educate ourselves about the challenges and the problems going on in the planet, but then also make sure that we're refocusing our attention on the blessings mm-hmm. and on the good things that are happening, on finding out the initiatives that are making a difference, like um, 8 Billion Trees. I support that. I think it's called 8 Billion Trees. Um, it's an amazing initiative where uh, they go around planting trees all around the world, Um focusing on things that are making a difference and letting that give us encouragement and ideas for what we can do that's going to help the planet and also um, help us feel more empowered and therefore uplift our mood. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Thank you for sharing all of this. Is there, I have a couple more questions for you, but is there anything else that you love to talk about that we didn't get to talk about yet? Mm. Well, I love to talk about uh, spirituality. It's the foundation of everything that I do. Um, it's not necessarily religious based. It's, it's very, you know, I see spirituality as very personal. Mm. It's, it's very much your relationship with something greater than you. Mm -hmm. Um, some people might call that God or Jesus or Buddha or, um, or the divine mother. Um, but others, it might be the universe or nature or, a principle like truth, the highest truth or unconditional mm. love. Yeah. Um, but to me, um, you know, it, it's all part and parcel of everything I do that my love, I, I keep looking out the window at all the trees here. They're just right here with me and I'm with them um, informing this conversation. But um, everything that I do, and especially when I'm out there in nature, um, I, everything is a manifestation, a unique and beautiful and extraordinary manifestation of that divine energy or intelligence that um, is in everything. It's in every cell of our body. Um, That's to me precious and sacred and um, 
gives a reverence to all the time that I spend outdoors and with everyone and everything that mm. everything has that divine intelligence in it. Um, so that spiritual component is part of what I bring in and mm. people finding and cultivating their own spiritual path, uh, particularly through connecting to nature. Yeah. Thank you. That was beautiful. Okay. Now I have a couple of kind of silly questions, but they're kind of fun too. Yay. Silly. Yay. I, like <laughs> I think it's important to be silly. That's one of my favorite Absolutely. things to do. <laughs> so what is your favorite kind of hippie thing that you do? My favorite hippie thing that I do mm-hmm. back to the trees, you know, yeah. I love hugging trees. I'm, I've recently learned a little bit of how to climb into certain trees um, and just spend time hanging out in trees. When I was, um, and it's something my daughter has always loved, but when, when we were up at this outdoor school in Mount Shasta, um, we were required to climb trees. And it was a little scary for me because I'm afraid of heights. Like okay. That's one of my little issues is... Um, like I do not like going up in gondolas at ski. Like I won't. No. Yeah. At the ski resort. Yeah. 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 I mean, we don't go skiing, but in the summer, like we might go it's up to squaw or something at, at, oh my God. I'm like, how are people not terrified that we're swinging up thousands of feet above? Like, okay. So anyway, so I didn't ever climb real high in the tree. I think I climbed maybe about 10 feet up. Um, But it was a, a, another really empowering and um, transformative moments for me that um, I climbed this tree, this one particular tree. It was a Douglas fir every day. Um, Okay. Not every day. I think I climbed it five times when I was there. I was there for a week and I would sit up there and sometimes I would just cry Mm. um, hanging on her limbs and felt like she was with me. And there was all this wisdom from um that I could hear and feel from the tree so I do like kind of I'm sort of a tree whisperer I I listen to them more than I talk to them um uh but also just you know metaphorically you can you can look at things in a tree for example I just recently wrote a blog about I'm looking outside right now at this Monterey pine that's growing in our front yard and it's got these dead branches it always bothered me Mm. Like I should get those cut off. They're dead branches. And, but then I learned at this school that the dead parts of the forest are also vitally alive and a very important part of the forest. The um, termites and other insects are breaking down the wood. That's turning it into mulch. That's going to give new life to the seeds from that very tree that are growing right around it. And the, the dead trunk is providing homes for woodpeckers and other animals and other insects so that the, the birds and other animals can eat. Um, yeah. And so he would leave the dead trees there in the forest because they're serving an important purpose. And so it just had me look at that dead, big dead branch there. It's like, oh, maybe that matters. Maybe insects live on there. And then the birds that come that I see come every day are are living off of that. And it's providing a place for them to perch that's really easy for them to hold on to and um and so we don't often look at things again we break things into parts and then we decide oh this part is valuable and that isn't and we do it with ourselves too you know kind of violently cut ourselves into parts that we like and parts that we don't and actually all of ourselves the whole of ourself is a value and is beautiful and same thing with the wholeness of the forest or of the tree that I'm looking at. So it's, um, you know, all I have to do is see a metaphor out there and it speaks to me whether or not the tree is actually talking or not. <laughs> okay. That's very hippie. And it's I really hippie. Love I love it. it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's something that you do that's definitely not hippie? I like to watch football and basketball. <laughs> so yes, yeah. I love it. How about you? What's a non well, I know some of your non-hippie things. So what's what's one that maybe you haven't shared? Probably how techie I am and how resistant I am to give up the techie stuff. Like I like my phone. I kind of hate my phone, but I also like my phone and you mm-hmm. know. 
I don't know. It's that I, I can't walk away and live in the woods and live off the grid. I couldn't do it. it so, yeah. And you are amazingly good at the techie stuff. So <laughs> I, I, I understand why you like it because <laughs> you're great at it. But I do see value, like you were saying about mm-hmm. sports, like I see value in it. It lets people be creative. It lets me be creative when I'm on Instagram and I'm taking photos or sharing something beautiful. That's a creative outlet for me and, you know, designing websites with people and all of those things, copywriting, all the things that I do in my work are part of creativity for me. That's, Mm -hmm. that's that expression of that. So it's not a hippie expression of creativity. It's very current world, I guess. Well, in the world (laughs) we live in, we really need that. And we, and we need that in order to be able to discover some of the things about the planet that we didn't know and ways that we can help. That's how we're, that's how we find out now. You know, I remember the days where you had to buy a a magazine that had ads in the back or a a listing of organizations, right? Nowadays, you you find all that on the internet. So we, we need that in order to um, stay connected and make a difference on the planet by finding out what we need to through the tech stuff. That is true. That's a good, yeah. That's what I see in it too, is the connection. What's something you wish you were doing better for the planet? Oh my gosh, like so many things, right? <laughs> I I still do really wish that I was using less less plastics, less mm. flo- throwaway plastics in particular. I'm, I'm working on that. It's a work in progress. There's uh, so much convenience in that, but there's, there's also better ways. And so it's, you know, um, finding, you know, through tech, we, that's how we find what are those other companies that are providing the products that are more ethically sourced, that are more ethically packaged and more ethically shipped. That's a good answer. And the plastic single use plastic pollution waste thing is tricky because we can feel guilty about it, but it's not our fault. But through that guilt, we can take empowered action and do some research to find better alternatives. So, yeah, I think you're covering the whole spectrum on that one. Yeah. And I think, you know, taking the time, this is something I could be better at because I probably like a lot of people, I don't want to say anything to upset anyone, you know, but I think that I could certainly be taking more of the time to at a restaurant if I go and get something to go, which we've mm. done a fair amount of during the pandemic yeah. and say, you know, I would love it if you guys used paper bags instead of plastic, or I would love it if you used, um, you know, um, cardboard containers for the food rather than the plastic ones. Yep. Um, there's ways that you can communicate it. It's not like, oh, you guys are ruining the planet because you, you know, like who wants to yes. hear that, right? But if you're like, I would really love that. I would feel so good about ordering food from you guys if it came in this kind of, like that's a way that you can say it that yeah. is going to have them listen and be more interested and not feel shamed. Like no one wants to be shamed, right? Right. right. But we can still help out and we can speak up and ask for these things. But yeah, it doesn't have to be a criticism of the restaurant. It's a suggestion. And I think yeah. we have to make those suggestions. It's challenging, you know, there's not perfect answers to everything. We can just, all we can do is do our best today. Do yes. our best today. Feel good about that. Feel gratitude for what you were able to do today and appreciate yourself for what you were able to do today. And then maybe tomorrow you'll find out something better and Mm. not beat yourself up for what you did yesterday that you thought was good. Just like, okay, now I've discovered something even better and I'm excited about stepping onto that path. Yes. I am all about forgiveness for yesterday. Just forgive it. Let it go. Do something better today. Yep. Uh, are you optimistic about the future? Um, I'm sort of 50, 50, honestly, yeah. like part of me is like, I don't know. I I'm really, I'm not sure we can turn this thing around. Um, and I feel sad when I'm there, mm. but then the other part of me, um, is always hopeful and always envisioning, um, the highest and best good that can come from things. And I really do believe in the human spirit and in the human um, consciousness that can access solutions um, and not always just from figuring it out. Like if you think about how Einstein 
got a lot of his ideas. I think he did it on the toilet or something, you know, like it just kind <laughs> of came to him, you know? Right. And so I think when we're, when we're, when we're open and receptive and really having that intent, like I, I really want solutions to come. And when people ha- are like amazing scientists like that, who are skilled and trained to use science in a way to create something new and then they open themselves to solutions that can come from unexpected places yeah i believe that we have the the ability and the power to be able to transform things and i think we're seeing it around us a lot right now um i think the question is is will we be able to do it quick enough to be able to turn things around um before we get bad but i'm i'm hopeful like i'm 50 percent hopeful i'm half half hippie and half not and half hopeful and half um, like really, really scared. Um, But I think those balance each other and I can hold both of those and walk forward in Mm. life. Right. And not get stuck in the fear, but take the empowered action. Like you said. Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much. This has been so fun for me, especially. Oh, me too. (laughs) Yeah, I just love connecting with you, Tara, and our conversation. Yes, I want to go hug a tree. That is really my goal for tomorrow. (laughs) Let's do, let's hug a tree and take pictures and then send them to each other so we can experience each other's tree hug. (laughs) <laughs> yes, what a beautiful idea. <laughs> Anyone listening, you can go go hug a tree, take a, a selfie, and then share it on Facebook yes. and ask other people to go do it too. And then you can all be half hippies with us. And tag us. Yeah. Oh my God, podcast. I'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll share it. Oh, that was fun. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. You too. Wasn't that fun? I just love her energy. And I have to mention, she's running this incredible group. It's a membership group for women called Awakening Women of the Earth. And it's focused on building community for women who love the environment and are feeling a little eco grief and some stress about what's happening to the planet and social justice and all things related to sustainability. And this group is so cool because everyone is so supportive. So they have a place to kind of safely vent about their frustrations and their concerns, but then they turn that into empowered action so they can actually start feeling better and feel like they're doing something positive for the planet. So if that sounds good to you, like it does to me, um, go check out her website. I will put it in the notes for us. And her main website is awakeningself.com. And she's just lovely. And she is a qualified professional. So she's not just doing this on a whim. Like she really knows what she's talking about. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you'll go check out Connie's website. She's just incredible, doing really cool work that helps us feel better about what's going on in the world. So thanks again for listening and I'll catch you soon.